Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. Uh, we'll talk about that said test that was taken yesterday by Nebraska as spring football got underway. I've got a visitor already up here, two of them, a German Shepherd and a Labradoodle. That is wonderful. Uh, as uh, working from home this morning, Mark Cranach is in his Husker den doing his show. Poor Elijah Herbal is, well, he's stuck back at the station. Numbers to get in, 466-377-76-466-3776-800-825-5865. The search is on for replacements. Replacements for... Uh, key components, key spots for Nebraska football 2022. You can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, someday we'll get Cranack back on Twitter. Cranack, top of the morning to you. What do you know? How you been? Doing okay. Uh, you know, um, a lot to get to, I guess, between football. But, like, Today would probably be a day when you might hear about some basketball announcements, maybe, right? You kind of save that for the weekend. So, I don't know. You could hear something about that. You could. Uh, And then the scrimmage, you you get varying reports on what happened in the scrimmage and who owned what and who did what. Um, And then baseball continues to struggle to a degree, but I don't know if it should be so surprising that they're struggling early. So... All kinds of thoughts, man. All kinds of thoughts. No, don't disagree with you here. When it comes to um, baseball, that needs to get flipped around and plenty of time to do it. it it's too bad that uh, Nebraska did not get Long Beach State this weekend. But uh, if you were outdoors last night <laughs> or yesterday afternoon, you'd totally get it. Um, uh, basketball. Here's my thought. Okay, with basketball, you know Fred's coming back. Uh, from a player standpoint, um, you, you have time, I would think, to test the NBA waters and and then get an answer. Unless it's doesn't matter what that answer is. You're you know what you want to do already, and. If uh, that that late first round projection anywhere from 25 through 31 is good enough for you, great. Maybe you have some more information uh, as uh, a player if you're Bryce McGowan's that 
uh, you'll go mid first round. But Cranach, I've seen Orlando last or near last in the first round or maybe the first pick in the second round. Yeah, he's – and it seems like he's gone just because, what you know, maybe there's a chance that he could move up a few slots. But once you're already kind of earmarked as that guy with a lot of potential and then you look at, you know, what's happening with Nebraska's roster or not happening with its roster – and with the coaching staff or not happening with the coach. It just like signs point to him going. Uh, but there's a chance. There's a slight chance, depending on what Fred can do with the staff. And depending on if Bryce maybe gets some lower prognostications than he was kind of coming into the year and, and recently. But it seems like he's as good as gone. And I look, I, I think ultimately we're facing another year where you don't know again about any of the roster continuity that you're going to have for for the fourth year in a row. You know, you presume Derek Walker is coming back, but you don't know. Lat Mayen could come back. We don't know. Right? Trey McGowan, is he going to leave too if his brother leaves? Uh, who knows? It's just, there's so many questions about it. And it's, it's kind of ironic because it, Fred has, for the most part, been slammed for not putting together any kind of continuity by turning over the roster every year. It looks like it's going to happen again. Well, <laughs> right? No, it, 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 it likely will. If you're Nebraska, you want Walker back. Uh, you hope guys that, that are returning, if there are many, they're able to bottle up what, what they, they achieved here, uh, the final three games and, and a half of a fourth. That was just straight-up Nebraska basketball in, in round one of the Big Ten tournament against Northwestern, where it's just maddening because they go and revert back to old habits. But, yeah, it's going to be a, a bit of a flip, and you got to go get a, a dynamite point guard. Get a dynamite point guard, which you got recruited, and coming in will help. You'll have Breidenbach back, hopefully – free and clear and ready to rock injury-wise. Hopefully you get Walker back. I think the McGowans are gone. No shock there. I think you move on from Lat. I think you move on from Tominaga. Or you, you offer Lat a chance to come back, but you say, look, bro, you're not really going to be part of our, our starting five plans. We've done that for two years, and that hadn't worked. You pray that Wiltshire comes back, because I think he's really pretty talented. And he had some confidence already, he used going. His free transfer already, so he see. I guess out of anybody, he seems least likely to to go anywhere. Right, unless he just wants to move on professionally. Yeah. So, but he he's he's only freshman eligibility wise too. So, mm-hmm. pretty sure he's coming back. Yeah, that's that's big. Which is probably that's exactly big. why he won't. <laughs> but, <laughs> what were you? Um, Moving, and I think from from uh, a coaching standpoint, I think you're gonna all get together. All being every co- coach in in college basketball will head to the Final Four this year uh, in about three and a half weeks from Selection Sunday, which is tomorrow, and that's where you're gonna find your assistants. I mean, you, you kind of probably already know and have an idea. But uh, Lesnar or Lozner, I'm screwing the last name up, the development guy that's new, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's safe. I think jury's out for everybody else on staff. Doc maybe moves on to go coach or do something else. I think Armand Gates, his brother, uh, is at Cleveland State doing an awesome job, and he's ready for a Power 5 gig. Maybe Armand's ready to, to, to go be a part of a winning program because I like Armand a lot. I think he does a great job. And uh, I think if uh, you're Fred, you, you've got to um, find your new Matt Abdel Massey that can keep getting you talent, but can get you talent that can play together. Your job as coach is to make that happen, but it's been uh, a, a, a 2 or 3.0 version of the same type of player or two you've brought in that really hasn't meshed well together, Mark. It's yeah, it's just been a weird fit. And it's it's very difficult to imagine that the changes that Fred talked about with Trev don't include coaching staff changes, right? Yeah, it just seems They've like maybe to. Nate Lesnar, he's he's the newest addition, so he's probably safe. You're right. I think everybody else is probably gone for one reason or, or another. Um, and then Fred has to figure out, look, outsourcing all of your recruiting to one guy is a pretty risky strategy, basically. It's it's just risky. It's not even Matt Abdo. It's not even his fault. He's just going out and trying to acquire talent, right? If, if And if that's mm-hmm. his remit, he's, for the most part, done that. But you got to be more involved. You got to be more involved with the types of players you want in, personality-wise especially, character makeup wise especially and then of course physically so it i mean it seems that fred is just like out on any of that could be wrong but that's the way it's been kind of purported is that it's really abdel massey's job he just goes out and finds them and then fred he goes gets the ingredients and fred puts them all together and you're like what that's 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 negligent that's a that's a negligent approach to building a roster uh, and it's why Nebraska's at where they're at right now. Now, it worked at Iowa State, so I'm sure Fred saw, saw no issues with it, right? They did it before. He's <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, this is how we, this is how we do it. Well, you got, Royce, I, White, I, Royce White was a big help, all right? Yeah. I think in hindsight, <laughs> you got a little lucky. You had NBA guys. You don't, the, you don't hear, or at least you don't have as many. No. No, you got – and even Bryce. I mean, he doesn't strike – I don't know. It, it, we could go into a whole thing about <laughs> the, the way the NBA drafts versus how some others draft. Like the NFL drafts, they definitely draft on potential, but they also mm-hmm. draft on like, is this dude going to be in our starting lineup like right. within a year? <laughs> no, the NBA the NBA is about – all right, what's what's this dude going to be by his second contract? It's developmental. It, they're all developmental, but with the NBA, they don't expect you to come in and kill it right away in most spots unless you're dra- drafting top three. And it's weird to see because now we see it up close with somebody that's on Nebraska's roster, you know, what a lot of these other programs have been dealing with for a long time, which is, I don't know, talent, like NBA talent. <laughs> now we get to see it up close and you're sitting there, you're just like, he's not ready. He's not ready at all. He's he's barely ready for the Big Ten. You know? Like, he's good. He scores. But that's kind of it. Like, mm-hmm. he scores. Um, got to get what more else physical. Do got to do? defend. Like, he's got so much more he can add to his game. And it's so obvious. And so to see him 
just already bounce out of here is just like wow is, Grant is Anglin, that even what get... you want to go after is that even mm-hmm. what you want to go after because like did he didn't it's not like he brought winning to the team you know what i mean like do you even want to go after those high profile upper four five stars that are here a year and gone that don't even ever actually really develop and so you don't well, get you know you don't get out of them what you hope to get out of them by bringing them in <laughs> they're they're the they're the whipped cream and cherry on top of the sunday that's assuming you already have a bowl of ice cream and and right now you don't in Nebraska basketball. It's supposed to enhance something that's already sweet. And uh, you just don't have it uh, right now. And he's he's going to go ninety nine point nine percent, and he's gonna he's gonna live out his dream, try and, and and do that at the next stage of his life. Good for him. Best to his family. Nothing official, obviously, but. That's that's what Nebraska's staring at. Cranach, let's let's hit some spring football. All right, you're you're Mr. Video Guy. You've created and edited and done a, a lot of work production wise with videos. So have you, Elijah. And I I, I have scribbled down the faces and names of what I saw with Nebraska's Big reveal. So you saw quite a bit of Anthony Grant. You saw some Betts and some Yant and Fedoni and Casey Thompson and Buford. And, uh, of course, you were able to see a little Garrett Nelson and both lines of scrimmages slamming each other. Uh, some info we, we had yesterday, just not a, not a great day for the defense yesterday. Not a great day. I don't know how happy Scott Frost was with the squad as they got ready to head off to spring break this entire week, and then they'll get back at it next Monday. So it was just scrimmage one, mile marker one in this spring. But uh, it's it safety. I mean, you're seeing Buford. Uh, he might might have had a pick. Uh, you're seeing some Noah Pola Gates. And along the offensive line, I mean, Kevin Williams is at a left guard spot. Ezra Miller's at a left tackle spot. Uh, you had uh, Hunter Anthony at the right tackle and Lutovsky. And then Piper at your center. That's kind of your starting five on the offensive line right now. And I think you've seen some, some nice work by Anthony Grant ripping off some runs. But uh, yesterday that was what was released, you had a really nice physical run by Yant. Forgive me, but that's that's what we're up to this Saturday morning. Cranach is deciphering a a ninety second video clip. Uh, well, that's what you have to do. You're right though about Grant. Grant keeps popping up. His name keeps popping up, and on the videos they use his highlights a lot because apparently he's breaking a lot of long runs. Mm-hmm. Now who knows what the situation is or the setting, but it looks like it's you know full contact and. Of course, the scrimmage was, but you know, even on some of the previous videos that they came out with, it he looks like he's securing a spot there. Uh, really early, of course. You hear about the fight too? A little fight. I did in practice yesterday. I did. Yeah, it, Trey it, Palmer was taunting the defense. And, transfer uh, out of LSU, who brings a little swag, a little attitude. 
Uh, he uh, was taunting the defense, and Caleb Tanner didn't like that. Cracked him. <laughs> Brawl. And they all hell broke That's loose. Good. It's competitive. That's good. Yeah. Um, would you have started a fight uh, with me on a, on a Friday morning if I was taunting you from across the window? Maybe. Yeah, I would, I would level you. No offense, bro. <laughs> then no I would, offense. Then I would get my buddies on the defensive line to come after you once I woke up. Um, See, I know. <laughs> I know. So on second thought, maybe I would not have. No, it's good been pretty, pretty good reviews. It sounds like Austin Allen uh, is the, the heir apparent is Thomas Fedoni and then that group of tight ends. It sounds like Fedoni's uh, made quite an impression. Uh, you, you have uh, Xavier Betts that's, that's been looking good, which is nice. That need for a three-back rotation, Grant, Ramirez, and, and Yant, very real. Uh, I, I mean, Buford's a guy that saw some time last year and was a special teams big dog. Uh, he's settling in at safety. Where, what are you hearing? Where are you at with with a Miles Farmer? Because I think your, I think your 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 secondary yesterday, your top unit was Clark and uh, and Newsom with Noah Polar Gates and then Buford. Tommy Hill's been been a name we've heard about this spring as well. Farmers, look. He had those two picks a couple years ago. I think that was Northwestern, right, before he got he hurt. He started, like, a handful of games, and he, he has three career interceptions. So bang for the buck is pretty good on getting the turnover. Yeah, it's – the thing I, I wonder about him, I don't know if he has it. I'm just, I just haven't seen it to know. I do wonder about his overall athleticism and speed. Okay. I just do. I just, you know, he's taller. He's a bigger, rangier guy. Um, so you know he brings that to the table, but I, I do wonder about his suddenness, his explosion, you know, his general coverage skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just haven't seen. Put, put it this way: I just haven't seen enough to where I'm like, yeah, that's a dude. He definitely needs to play. You don't. You just don't. As opposed to like, say, a Luke Reimer, totally different position. But mm-hmm. you know, you see something, you're just like, yeah, that dude definitely has to be on the field. Same with Quentin Newsom. Yeah, that guy's, you know, he fights. He did. I have not seen that from Miles Farmer where I'm just convinced he has to be the guy. Right? Just, you know. You would just, he just hasn't, here's my he hasn't thing. shown that. I, he, he was thrust into that role last year, right? Uh, with Williams going down. You felt pretty good about it just because of of what he was able to do for you at Northwestern starts a half, two picks sets up a touchdown. You wonder what he's been able to stack since then, since last year. And if you have other options, go for it. I would just expect with where he is at in his career that he'd, uh, he'd be a guy that could lock up a spot or be a front runner for it anyway. Uh, Cranach, let's talk offensive line. We, we gave you some names, and uh, we heard a little bit of Scott Frost on Wednesday. Downhill running. Nebraska's doing a ton more under under center, which lends itself to, to some more power football and just straightforward. 
Not as much maybe zone read dancing in short yardage, which is which is good. As you look at the offensive line, have you been able to grasp what the biggest difference is between Riola and Austin? And this isn't, you know, we're not opening up a, a tsunami of let's pile on Greg Austin. I like Greg Austin. I think he's a good coach. But I'm interested how and why it's going to be better with a, with a new O-line coach based on what ingredients you have on the O-line. And then, listen, you're going to find out your alternatives uh, for your best five at a couple of key spots, be it center or right tackle uh, with Corcoran and, and also left tackle with, uh, with Teddy. Once they get back, those two guys are the, the guys I would think you'd lean on to, to to reclaim those spots. But I just looked at the guys Nebraska's recruited and and who else went after him, and I'm like, man, those guys were wanted by the Wisconsins and Iowas and, you know, Turner Corcoran, oh, I mean, Ohio State and Alabama looked at. So Nebraska has gotten talented kids. Uh, is it just as simple as a mentality thing, do you think, with Riola? That's the – God, you hope, right? Because it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's unlikely almost mathematically that you would strike out that much on offensive line because you're right recruiting wise they've been right up there these these are coveted kids that they've brought in and nebraska's stocked with them <laughs> you know i think opposed to as opposed to maybe some of the bow years and then going into riley where you know you only had like seven or eight scholarship linemen available period you just didn't have them in the program i mean cam now meredith got, was, was slammed in the the middle you know <laughs> i mean think about that <laughs> yeah now you've got you've got plenty of scholarship guys and all of them all of them were highly recruited and coveted by other programs so like it, you almost have to rule that out because it's just so mathematically unlikely that they would all just not be hits right you're mm-hmm. and of course some recruits are going to hit some are going to miss but like there's no way you're going to miss out on all those guys so then it points to coaching but what element of coaching is it is it a philosophical mishmash you know where frost maybe wanted guys to fire off the ball more be more physical and greg austin didn't and so that was the problem is kind of the mixed messages that they're getting so like what element of coaching we don't know but what we do know is that frost <laughs> he kind of puts his foot in his mouth sometimes and he more or less called out greg austin <laughs> this week I'm sure you saw that and noticed that. He's like, yeah, guys are finally flying off the ball. I've been, it's been a frustration of mine for years. It's like, okay. Well, dude, Scott, you're the you're head coach. This. You're the head I know. coach. <laughs> Tell your offensive line what you want, <laughs> please. I know. Because you've got a you've got a you've got a guy that was recruited by Milt that played for Callahan. He knows how to fire off the football. He did a great job of it. <laughs> I, yeah. Listen. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying. No, no, no. And I'm not saying you are, but I'm right. just just communicate it, please. Uh, right. And maybe he tried and maybe it didn't work. And that's what, you know, there are obviously some differences and some uh, mm-hmm. a little no love lost between those. Whatever. For whatever reason, that relationship soured. Right. And so it may be, and maybe your uh, offensive lineman picked up on that and that led to weirdness and blah, blah, blah. So you hope anyways that fresh set of eyes, somebody that Frost meshes with philosophically will make a difference. Um, going under center is a good sign, too. You know, like you were mentioning, like maybe they will 
go downhill more. Um, you know, that was one thing that Austin would complain about with Frost is like, hey, if you you want to be more physical, you got to call those plays. You're not calling those plays, you know. So it was a mess between Austin and Frost in hindsight, and I think the old linemen were kind of caught up in it. Yeah. That's now they fair. get a fresh set of eyes and a fresh start. We'll see. Well, and the other thing too is you got to run those plays in practice to be able to call those plays in the game. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't yeah. just magically poof. Here we go. Uh, Nebraska's passing game has has always had the talent. They've had some dudes uh, to be able to come in and, and play ball. Uh, now you have Mark Whipple in, and back to Frost earlier this week. The uh, the tension isn't as thick now. The urgency is to get things fixed and figured out and move forward. But with Whipple, I mean, he's a guy that is going to run the football in November. He's a guy that wants to find a, a, a rotation of backs. He's a guy that wants to probably be balanced on offense, but he had to be the ability to be multiple in the passing game. And did you not feel with with Coach Frost that there was just this, man, I need to be hands-on with my offense, either by choice because I, I love it. I love the design part. I love the play-calling part. That's what, I, that's what cranks me up about coaching. Or there's just, okay, here's Coach Walters and here's Coach Lubick, and, you know, they're just – they're just green, and I don't know that Walters was, but I just need to I need to be hands on with it. Now he can he can check out all aspects of his football team and tell the uh, shoeless OC to 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 go do his thing. And it it sounds like that's happening pretty well. Yeah, like he is stepping back from it, and you know, according to the other coaches and players, it's very much Whipple's offense. Uh, but, you know, and behind the scenes, I'm sure Frost does have input. And, again, we'll see if that works, right? It's like it's a, it is put-up-or-shut-up year, right? You're just like, you know, the whole – because Frost had he, – he put together an undefeated season as the head coach and or, and or coordinator. So that worked. Um, but then he tried three or four years of that here, and that – no. That all of a sudden didn't work. So is that really the problem? Who knows? Find out. But it does appear that he has legitimately made changes, not just superficial ones, not just, you know, bringing in a couple new coaches. He's brought in a couple new coaches and changed how he's acted, changed what he's done. He has stepped away from the offense to a degree. So it's that that's positive when you're showing a willingness to change like that. And you know, we'll see if that continues as the season. So does he does he continue to do that if, say, you get into a slog with Northwestern and the offense is stuck in the mud? You know, what does he do then? Right? Does, is he, does he start to take it over? Does, does he let the process play out? Mm-hmm. Does that lead to some weirdness? I mean, you know, because it, it gets real in a hurry on Saturdays. Uh, so that'll be a pretty true test, too. Cranach, you have some of the quarterbacks that talked about what, what Whipple has him doing, the three and five and, and seven-step drop from under center. 
that's that's different. You've got uh, the Thompson element from a leadership standpoint that some former guys we know that and you hear about it and you can gush about all oh, leadership and being the guy, but it sounds like from an attitude standpoint, Casey Thompson's found a way to really put himself out there, not only for his old lineman when it comes to Brazilian stakes, <laughs> but but just lead with, with actions and lead with results. Red zone offense, 46% completion rate, my friend, by Nebraska in the red zone last year. Tip of the cap to Sam McEwen with that stat. It's in his column this morning or this week. And we knew it was so-so. But does that just make you dry heave this morning when you've got tall and lanky wideouts like Omar, like Betts? You have a 6'9 tight end? <laughs> if you're going to throw the football in the red zone, have you not had targets the last three years in Lincoln to Vokalek? I mean, I think most Nebraskans, we're going to go old school and grab the old lawn chair to put in our front yard, tell folks to stay off our lawn. We'd prefer a fullback or power run game inside the two where you smoke somebody. Uh, but if you're going to throw the football in the red zone, complete it. Nebraska can't be less than a coin flip, 50-50, on those completions. You, you need to be 8 out of 10, ideally. But they've had the bodies to do it. Maybe just some different concepts here will will be more efficient, Mark. Well, maybe you – yeah. And what about a fade route occasionally? Not that we're playing – you know, well, it's exactly. such a common play that you see let, so many teams guy make run. a play, babe. Yeah, you isolate a receiver. You know you have one-on-one with them. It's usually a big receiver. It, you know, you throw a fade to them. Like, it's not – it's not a – not sitting here trying to be like, you know, a wannabe offensive coordinator, but it's just like you see that regularly in college and NFL, but not at Nebraska for some reason. It's like, Why? We got a tall receiver. Quarterback. You has wear the that. Ball. You like, wear that. You wear that headset this morning, Cranank. Well, I'm just saying. You know, I don't want to be here like calling particular plays and formations, but I am calling for fade routes. I am calling for fade routes today. I'm uh, calling for the fullback in 2022. today. Fade routes in 2022. Put it on a shirt. Boom. You know? Do it. See it. Let's uh, See it. step away. We will do a rewind coming up. Hail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Brandon Vogel in uh, less than 30 minutes. We'll spend time with the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, get his take on the week. It is spring break, so we will no doubt keep that theme going and uh, and hear a spring break story from all of the above. Elijah Herbal, I know, is just all sorts of excited for, for his spring break and a, and a birthday weekend. Bill Bush is with us next, our Rewind segment with the Nebraska Special Teams Coordinator. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. 
few minutes here. Hail Varsity Radio and uh, Bill Bush with us, special teams coordinator. Coach, it's it's been a while. It's nice to s- sit down with you again. How you doing? I'm doing great, absolutely. I appreciate you guys being here. There's one thing that's so great about being at Nebraska is to have the people that care and have a media that follow you and and uh it's good to have you know it's it's like you said it, it's a you're fortunate to have pressure and so it, it's nice to have people that are following you and doing this and and uh very excited about it coach uh i thought here on on special teams and first and foremost how, how did day one go yeah. I, we felt day one went great it's always don't get too excited don't get too high or too low at that but the administ- it, it's such a simple thing of you know the little things are big things the administration of the drills that we had to have were spot on and it's because uh, we felt it was very organized but the kids executed it they understood the importance of it uh, meetings they took everything in it transferred right over uh, I talked about how we transitioned into drills right out a stretch then mid practice then we had you know we were separate with field goal and field goal block and they transitioned to that right away so very productive for that not a lot of uh, balls were hit as far as being uh, kicks and punts today was more of a kickoff day and so but it went very very well as you've worked with kids for your career the attention to detail is is huge for you but uh, the process of conveying that at this level, getting the buy-in for the attention to detail, how is that work in progress? Well, answer me, ask, ask me that question again, would you? Sure. How, how is the, the attention to detail, how are you able to, to model it and kind of get the buy-in from the kids in that special teams room? Well... Very lucky with, like I said, we have great kids. I mean, really, really, really great kids. You have to be able to show uh, with anything. They can see a fraud. They can see kids are smart. Like, they're on anything, anything in life. Mm -hmm. And so if they see that you care about them, if they see that you're prepared, if they see that they can can look to you and know they can ask questions, all those things combined will build a long way, builds a long bridge on how you can get things done successfully. Obviously, I know these kids from being around the office last year, wasn't able to coach, but I was able to see them, so they at least know who I am. So that helps a lot for us. But again, if you have, like, if, if it's like anything else, you know, if, if they know you care and they know that you have a, a really clear structure and you have a belief system and also it's fair, fair is so big for them like that like it isn't anything you know back in the day when your parents just told you you know we can't do it because just you know because i said like that we have to be better than that now we have to here's what here's the why so we talk about the why in everything we do the why we do the drill the why it's important to be early in meetings the why it's important how we sit in meetings everything we do so you have to give them the why and we give them the why bill bush with us a few minutes here hail varsity radio coach you um Touched on on the why. Let's get into some goals. What's a goal you have? What do you want? What do you want from your return team, uh, punt and kickoff? Well, I'm not going to throw certain numbers, but the first thing we talk about any return game, we talked about this. We showed a, a, a graphic with the picture of it like that, that after every single punt return or kickoff return, there's only going to be two signals. It's either going to be touchdown Nebraska or first down Nebraska, which means we're either going to score or we're going to possess the ball. That's the number one thing that has to happen. Sounds simple. 
but we have to have that. The next thing is, 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 is how many great fielding decisions do we make so we don't give up hidden yardage with the ball hitting the ground and rolling forever, with the ball uh, for us getting pinned too deep when it should have been a situation where we didn't field the ball. All the different scenarios with it for us right there until we get to the phase when now it's live ball. And so you always want to, my goal always on punt return is, is 10 yard average. First down. You get a first down every time. If, that, if that's your average for the year, then you're in great shape for us right there. And then the same thing with a, a kickoff return for us right there. We have to be able to get the ball past the 25 yard line. So we're looking to get the ball to the 30 yard line because if you fair catch the ball, the ball's coming to the 25 as a layup. So you have to be in position to be able to make that better. If you don't make it better, then you've, then you've made bad decisions. You're not doing the right thing. If all of a sudden we're going to return every ball and we can take the ball at the 25. So there's sometimes, like I said, it's just like poker on punt return, kickoff return. Sometimes we, we don't, you don't know you don't go all in on certain things. We know what kicks are very returnable balls and what we can do to be able to set that up. But we also have to have a mentality that we are going to return balls, especially on kickoff. Like, no, we're going to block people and return them. Now on punts, we're, we're going to protect our returner and we're going to be able to return balls. Some of them, uh, the kicks are not returnable. So if they're not, be really smart. Do you like the talent in the room, the the kids you're working with to to return those those kicks and punts? Yeah, I do. I really do. Obviously, adding Trey Palmer in will help from LSU. Uh, I was with Trey at LSU, so I know what he can do as far as a kickoff returner and a punt returner. And we also asked him, I, I thought that Tommy Hill did a very good job today with uh, with the ball in his hands. Uh, we were just doing it as individual at the end of the day. And then also, I'm very excited about Brody Belt and Oliver Martin. Oliver did a great job building balls last year. and then uh, But Brody should be someone that can make plays for us. You saw how... He became offensively in the last part of the season, especially the Wisconsin game. So we need to get the ball in his hands, and he's very, very natural at fielding balls. Bill Bush with us here on Hale Varsity. Coach, uh, recruiting. Uh, You are well-respected and pretty well-renowned for your ability to recruit through your career. Take me back, and and who who mentored you in the world of recruiting? trying to think if there was one person that mentored me the most i probably spent uh i spent some time with uh, with with kevin Steele, tony samuel and then obviously george darlington probably the most uh for his persistence in recruiting and george always recruited from a lot a long distance he was always west coast recruiter and so so just being around all those guys at a very young age to see how hard it was to work the extra it took in to try to get a relationship with the player, but then with his mom, dad, his auntie, second cousin, his coach, all those things. So did you, you kind of took it uh, from, from afar on it. And then, like I said before earlier to the group, you have to spend a lot of time on likability, on trying to be able to create a, uh, a concept or a relationship with these people that they want to talk to you. Because if they don't want to talk to you, you really can't do much. And so you want to be able to have enough, like, you know, I kind of like that. Hey, if Coach Bush texts, I'll text him back. Hey, I'll call him back. So you try to build that way. So I was around great recruiters here. I've been around uh, my entire life. So you just constantly keep learning. I mean, Coach O, you know, at LSU taught me things uh, that I'm like, okay, I like that. That's something a little different than what I'm used to. Uh, but, in the, but in the end, it's all about building the relationship. You mentioned Coach O, and he told a story on national radio a week or two ago about trying to land Adrian Peterson. That was the one that got away for him. When it comes to uh, your ability, take me through what 
what jumps out to you? Is it is it first film or is it all right? Somebody who knows you saying, "Look, I got a guy for you," giving you the heads up. It's 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 all encompassed. I have some guys in my life that if they call me and say, "I got a guy." They got a guy. And I have some people, they say they've got a guy and they've never had a guy. And so there's always that combination. And, and yeah, and, they, and they, so it's always a little bit like it. But if someone lets me know, because they're just, they're always right. And so I've had some of those people. Then it also, but it comes down to your film, still your resume. And the film has to show it. It has to back it up. Uh, the thing that also is, is in-person evaluations are so critical. How many times do you see them? Do you see them play live? Do you see them practice? Do they come to camp? All those things there. And I've also had guys come to camp and go, woo, they ran. They, oh, that's vertical. Wow. And then they go to play and it's not the same. And you watch their film and it's not the same. So it's all got to add up together. All those things have to have to add up to be at one time. But it goes through the process of the worst thing you can do is waste time on great player. Love watching him. Find out that he's got some off the field issue or no grades. There's nothing worse than wasting somebody's time on, on that. So you always want to make sure I have my little details down before it goes on to the next person, the next person to get it evaluated you know, with those things. But in the end, the film is what matters. Then you have to make the decision uh, academically any, any of those areas right there. If he is struggling, why is it? And a lot of times those those young men work out very well. Do you look at the, the portal as a, as a challenge or a potential advantage? Well, both. It's both. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it, it, it can be used as an advantage. It's something that uh, we've used well as an advantage uh, here at Nebraska. It's also a challenge because obviously you're recruiting your own kids just as hard as you recruit anyone else else like there because there's always there is a different window for people out there just to be like you know what i'm gonna go to the portal you didn't used to be that easy and so that's a little bit so i think it's i think it goes both ways if you work really hard on how you manage it and how you look at it right there then i think it's still a, still a positive but it uh it's it's very difficult but in recruiting just like when i started to what it is now you have to adapt as fast as you can. You can't be someone like, I don't do Twitter, or I don't like to text, or I don't like to do this. I'd like to recruit as if it's 1988. That doesn't work. And so now, same thing at the portal. You better have an understanding of it. That's just the way it is now. So just being locked in, how to handle it, what's going on with it. And then also, you know, it's, it's not a magic portal. Some people think it's a magic portal. It's like everyone looks into it like that, and, you know, there's some that happens. There's also a lot of failures in, in, in the portal. So you have to be very smart and do your due diligence on why they're leaving, what's going on, all those different things of it. You know, it's kind of happened at LSU with Joe Burrow when I was recruiting Joe. That wasn't a portal situation because that hadn't happened yet. But he was graduated with that. But I knew Joe. I was at Ohio State with him. I knew his family. And I also knew the reason he was leaving. And so there was a difference there. He wasn't leaving disgruntled. He wasn't leaving I got screwed. This is kind of what it is. So we had a background. We had so much background on him. So you always want to have that background in, in, from the portal. What was that season like down there? I mean, it was a, obviously you won a championship. It was incredible. But um, you want to talk about uh, kind of hitting on all cylinders. You get his talent level matched with the offense. And in that league, it was, it was pretty big wow factor for college football. 
obviously it was, you know, to be part of it was, was outstanding. Obviously me and Mickey were together with it and just had so much fun with it. But the thing that stood out the most was how competitive the entire team was. And defensively, how competitive they were. And I'll speak from the other side of the ball because I was on defense there. But, I mean, to see how Jamar Chase and Joe and everyone pra- and, and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, how those guys practiced, the competition every day, it was good on good. And every one-on-one things. And then we showed it on the next day on practice on who was going, what was going on, going on. And it was on the whole time. No one was tapping out. No, I don't want to take any reps. I'm going to take Tuesday off. That never happened. So it was the perfect storm of talent and competitive spirit at the same time. Coach Bill Bush. Coach, good to see you again. Thanks for a few minutes. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome into it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Dogs are fed. Kids still asleep. I don't know that I can say the same for, for Vogel's little guy. As we kick off Hour 2, welcome in Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues, how much has uh, Junior went over, dissected, and dissected again our video snippet of yesterday's first scrimmage. I mean, has it, has it been dominating the uh, the tablet or, or his time? Good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, I just uh, <clears throat> airplayed that to the TV and then actually left him home alone on the loop and went out to have dinner finally for the first time in forever. So he's going on, uh, let's see, about 15 straight hours of, of watching it. And, you know, there's still a couple more tidbits in there, I think, to absorb. Well, his his uh, synopsis is what? Fedoni's nice. Buford All-American. He, he thinks he's... He thinks they should practice longer than 90 seconds. He doesn't know if that's uh, really maximizing time they're allowed in the spring. That's that's a good take. Vogues, your, your kid's as smart as you. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, hopefully smarter. Uh, he used to have, have a decent shot in this world, so we'll see. Brandon Vogel's with us on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. So, okay, we'll, we'll get into a, a, a ton of things. Uh, all, all things spring football, some Husker basketball, of course. But I want to start off with a little breakfast analogy here, and it's in reference to, to Will Compton and, and uh, Taylor Luan. You know, the Bussin' boys are, were in, in Lincoln doing uh, their podcast, and they sat down with Coach and, uh, of course, Casey Thompson. Uh, it was funny that, the, the first stop they went for breakfast was not a bad place, but, but not a place that kind of separates itself because there's so many. They went to a chain spot. Uh, day two, Will Compton took his buddy, and I think it was at the urging of our dear friend Searles, to Virginia's Cafe. Now, Elijah and I have talked about this. I'm drinking my 
coffee out of my Virginia's cup right now. They are right across from the radio station. And, um, well, Cranach, you love it. You and I both love to, to crush their Vogues. I know you've been there and you like uh, breakfast. What, what is Nebraska's red zone offense on the breakfast menu? If you could equate it, what, what is that on the menu heading into spring? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> last year, and you know, this is going to be highly subjective, uh, I would call it pancakes in that I don't mind pancakes, but it, it, they're not great for me. Um, I, I would much prefer many other options. Uh, so, you know, Nebraska's red zone offense a year ago uh, was, you know, not like something I would never order, not the bottom of the menu, but definitely a lot of room for improvement. So I think look at Pitt's uh, red zone offense, and that was up near up near the top of the menu. So I guess that makes my hope for Nebraska's red zone offense in 2022 hash browns. Because if there are hash browns available, I'm always going to get them. So pancakes and hash browns is sort of – or is it a funny face yeah. pancake? <laughs> I, I'm hoping we can just leave the pancakes out of the equation going forward for for the Huskers. But, you know, like I said, it, some, you're going to have some pancake drives. Uh, it's just, just how it goes. And if you can, uh, if you can hit your field goals, it makes, um, it makes them go down. You know, a field goal is good syrup to the, the pancake in this very, very tortured metaphor. Well, I'm sorry I brought it up. So once I, Nebraska uh, – sorry, I was going to say, once Nebraska gets to the red zone – what do they got against the fade route? You got to do X Bennett at twelve. <laughs> Honestly, it's the fade route. So you need you got some big body receivers. I don't think that's the issue. It's probably the comfortability with with throwing that and, and throwing it safely. You know, it's a it's a high risk, high reward type of play um i've never well except for when i you know was playing wide receiver in high school and thought i was really good uh then i loved fade routes but as, as a person sitting at home watching um it's, it's a play i can take or leave that nebraska runs very very few of them certainly seems odd i mean you watch college football now you know, particularly for these teams that are up in the top 25. And it just seems so simple. Like, and, and it may not even be the classic for it fade route. You know, it could be back shoulder at the pylon, all, all of that stuff. Like, it, it's just amazing to me how red zone offense has evolved in that regard where it's like, well, if we know our quarterback can put it someplace safe and we like our wide receiver, we're just going to do that. Brandon Vogels with us, Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbel, uh, and Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Gary Sharp here in about uh, 20 minutes or so. We'll, we'll end the, the breakfast talk. Sadly, I'm a biscuits and gravy guy, says Junior. That, to me, is my run game. Okay? Uh, and, and I hope that is your answer, and that is my go-to with said hash browns, Vogues. Uh, what, what do you... What do you attribute Nebraska's pancake-like ability, or lack thereof, in the red zone? Was it was it quarterback play? Was it just flat-out shrinkage of real estate? Uh, was it trust, or was it just inability to to know 
unless your quarterback's running the quarterback power, you couldn't trust getting uh, enough yards to, to get in the end zone. I mean, it was just it was just maddening, and that's that's goal one for Whipple. That and find some sweet shoes he wants to wear to the next interview. <laughs> yeah, or any shoes. Um, <laughs> you, I think it's they're, they're, Nebraska struggled on two fronts when it when it got into the red zone. One, if you're going to throw the ball down there, you know, which goes to the the, the discussion about the fade or lack thereof, you've got to be pretty accurate passing the ball. And I don't know that Nebraska was top half of the Big Ten accurate in terms of red zone passing. You also have to be able to hand the ball off and, and run the football, and that's been a struggle for Nebraska the past three seasons, no matter where they're at on the field, at least to do it consistently. So those are two pretty big pieces that don't make, you know, at, at that point, what are you left with? You're kind of got to get super creative or – you go to quarterback run, which is firmly on tape at that point, and everybody kind of knows to that might be your best option. So, you know, getting some – just being able to, to hurt teams in more than one way I think would go a long way to, to boosting those numbers for Nebraska in the red zone going forward. But we still got to see it. You know, the, the run game struggles at this point. Uh, it's been too long since we we've, we've had biscuits and gravy consistently. It's just <laughs> Nebraska ran the ball a lot when you look at those run rates, uh, but not all that successfully. And, and I'm interested to see you know some of the early chatter out of spring is how much is that going to change? Um, and I guess we'll see going forward. Brandon Vogels with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Krenak, you muted again, bud. Why does this keep happening? Why do I keep I, doing that? I, I don't know, but you're, you're up. We'll Cowboy. have to talk about that. It's, it's we'll just been a while since that. it's I think COVID. We dive with deep. Uh, with, with, uh, everyone's so used to Zoom unmuting now. It's been so long ago that you're just, you just got to get back used to it. Got back into the, uh, into the flow of things, you know, with unmuting. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And uh, this echo in my ear is not helping. Elijah! <clears throat> Working on it. <laughs> okay, appreciate Krenak, that. Krenak, just um, pretend you're hungover. So, Focus on the middle. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So at least Nebraska has on video in these practice videos been breaking off long runs from the running back position. So maybe that will continue. But and part of that is the offensive line may be performing differently. Uh, speaking of which, Frost kind of took the gloves off a little bit and went there and complained about how his offensive line performed over the past few years. Brandon, would you advise that if you're Scott Frost, chief of staff, his communications director, his consultant, are you telling him just, hey, bro, like, that's enough. We don't need to talk about Greg Austin anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're getting pretty close to that point. I mean, the the firing off the ball stuff, like I, I'm trying not to to put too much into it. Like you're up there, all the mics are on, the cameras are rolling. You got to say something. Uh, <laughs> leaving it that open to interpretation probably isn't what you have to say, but I, I, it just it doesn't add up to me <laughs> in in any regard. Like. 
it's it's hard to imagine. I mean, I know there are certain situations where you might do this, but it's it's hard to for me to see a offensive line coached not to come off the ball, or for whatever reason it wasn't happening to the degree that they had it had to, and head coach being like not being able to remedy that over over four plus years, like it, it just strikes me as you know something you say this time of year, and, and maybe that is all of it. I mean, when you look at at Donovan Rayola, I think there's not a ton to go off, you know, which isn't to say his, his experience isn't good or he's inexperienced. It's just, you know, it's kind of been a little bit behind the scenes when you look at Notre Dame and Chicago in particular. But the thing I like about him is, you know, he and his brother grew up in, in Hawaii training with their dad. They were both centers, which, you know, if you can play center, it, it just it gives you a different view on things. So I kind of like that part of it. Maybe it was just like new voice, some new ideas, and, and a different sort of focus for for Nebraska. And maybe maybe that'll be the difference. But at this point, you know, coming off the ball is something I kind of have an ex- expectation of every offensive line to do. <laughs> right, right. You're not, you shouldn't just stand there. Um... <laughs> Now, the other thing is, you know, there were multiple instances the past few years where it didn't appear that coaches were on the same page with one another. Um, You know, a lot of those coaches have been fired by Frost now, so it makes sense. But you would literally hear one thing from one coach and one thing from another. Saw that again uh, about a week or so ago when Frost came out and said, oh, it's an open quarterback competition. It's going to be, you know, we're going to roll the ball out there and see who the best one is or whatever. And then the same day, Whipple's like, oh, yeah, Casey Thompson's our number one. <laughs> Should we take note of that? Is that is that noteworthy in your mind? Well, I mean, that, that might be proof of, of a, a new CEO vision. You know, CEO has to, has, to, has to steer the ship, but they may not be – they may not know the last time the decks were swapped. Um, and so, so it could be that, but you know, I, I think it's a little, that to me was as much an indication of, okay, like Whipple really does have a good deal of, of control and, you know, it is kind of his department to, to run in that regard. I also think it's just a little bit of, you know, Whipple's, Whipple's kind of been around the block more than once. He's he dealt with NFL media. He's dealt with media all over the place. He, he doesn't have time to, like, beat around the bush anymore. Whereas, you know, Frost, both from his time as a player and back here as a coach, you know, clearly came into this Nebraska job knowing that the interest level around Nebraska can be it's great, but it can be oppressive at times. Like there's really, I mean, we started out talking about making my son watch 90 second practice clips. You know, <laughs> we really do hang on every detail. So I think he, he would maybe just kind of in his standard, I'm not going to give too much away here mode. Whereas Whipple, he's, he's new, uh, he's, but he's also a veteran. So he may just have said, yeah, yeah this is what it is today. And so that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend it's not that way. Brandon Vogel's with us. Hail varsity radio weekend edition. I can imagine how, how the, uh, the meeting or hallway conversation went after, uh, the open competition comment versus, well, it's Casey, uh, Scott, this is my offense. Go get your golf clubs. I'll talk to you when I'm ready. (laughs) 
<laughs> get back in your room, you know, like the the crusty old veteran. Uh, but th- that's needed, Vogues. I mean, y- you needed some guys to come in here and, and, and kind of own it. That's what you've done with this this staff upgrade from a from an experience and a confidence. And that, this is again nothing against the departed, but. You've got guys that have been at some big-time spots. They're really comfortable. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> if Nebraska's talking about going under center now, like, <laughs> that should tell you right there. Because, I mean, it was almost an outright refusal to do that previously, which is fine. Like, I mean, I know, you know, it's, it's easy to remember the plays where it seems like, well, just line up and plunge or line up and hand it off. Um, it's one of those things that like sticks out when it goes poorly and when it works out okay, you just kind of you miss it. Um, you know, if that's if that's your philosophy, that's your philosophy, fine. Um, but because we we know that wasn't the case, to come out now and talk about going under center seems like oh okay, well that that might be something that is legitimately new. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Let's flip over to flip over to baseball real quick. Panic time? I mean, the four and eight uh, offense just really hasn't hasn't had a complete game. I guess you could say they've had defensive meltdowns. They've had starting pitching issues. What do you make of what you've seen so far out of the four and eight scurs? Yeah, the the offense piece of it, and you know, it can be. It can be tough early on off- offensively, just just in general. But you'd like to see a team kind of come out of the gates a little bit more quickly than Nebraska has. But it's not panic time for me yet. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him get to to Big Ten play first, and I you know maybe that'll be end up being too late. But I have enough faith in kind of bolt after last year and, and you look at, you know, Nebraska was preseason top 25, number one in the Big Ten. That's all fine and good and earned. With baseball, that tends to be like I don't know that those preseason rankings, and it's, this is the case for like, for volleyball. Um, you know, a, 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 the preseason coaches poll in volleyball is basically last year's final poll with maybe one or two additions and you move a team up a spot or two. Baseball can be a little bit like that. So this was a Nebraska team that we, we knew they had a lot to replace. I'm not saying they were overrated necessarily, or at least I'm not saying that yet. I think they've got time to, to kind of work through this and turn this turn this thing around. And, and playing at home, which isn't happening, well, didn't happen yesterday, it's not happening tomorrow, uh, that could that could help spark a team like this that's a little bit younger. So we'll we'll see once we get to the end of March. I think we'll have a pretty good idea. Vogues will say goodbye and we'll bring this back full circle with the the breakfast take. Nebraska's star menu item will be what and who heading out of spring. Oh. Uh, it looks like it looks like Casey Thompson's kind of running away with it. Anthony Grant, though, might literally be running away with it. He uh, if he he keeps going along those those lines and and, and defensively, I would say your early leader right now is uh, is Buford. 
hearing some some really good things and the fact that Nebraska put him up I, to, to talk to the media after one of those first few practices uh, told me they must feel he's in a pretty good spot. Good enough. Vogues, uh, give your kid a fist pound. Tell him to put the remote down, and, and it's okay to watch something else this weekend uh, with the, uh, the the 90-second loop. You guys have a great weekend, okay? Okay. Ironically, he's about to have some pancakes. So there we go. <laughs> Good work. Brandon Vogel, managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. I, I kind of like talking breakfast in the morning. I kind of wish we were all in one spot to, to go head over to our friends at Virginia's. It sounds kind of good, Cranach. Oh, man, some uh, corned beef hash. You demolish that every time you're over in the back booth. Don't you? Yeah, good, that's good where t- it's at, man. Good yes. take with the the biscuits and gravy, though. That's the elite breakfast item: biscuits and gravy. Oh, that's that's the only thing my kid will talk to me about. Hey, dude, dad, make me some biscuits and gravy. Do it now. Like, all right, Junior, we'll get it. Uh, we'll get it going. Uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, his uh, takeaways with the first week of spring. Some Husker basketball thoughts and uh, state basketball. It's championship Saturday. Really awesome, uh, you know, session yesterday for Championship Friday, the first ever. And uh, you had uh, six champs crowned. Uh, Just a a quick uh, shout-out to an amazing group of kids and coach and staff over at Lincoln Southwest with Coach Berta and his his girls uh, just short against Fremont uh, last night. Man, uh, what a ball game. Tough one for Southwest, but... Uh, what a great group, and uh, what an what an amazing head coach, Tim Berta, and with with him and his kids. Tonight we'll have the uh, Class A boys title game, and uh, that'll be over on sister station KFOR. I'll have that call with Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith at six. Millard North and Bell West. The trilogy continues. A quick timeout, and Gary Sharp next. The Tale of Our City Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Your breakfast of uh, champions is Hale Varsity Weekend Edition presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we welcome in uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us on Championship Saturday. Sharpie, good morning, bud. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? We are good, man. We're gearing up uh, another day at PBA for incredible high school action, uh, all sorts of tournaments going on for the dance and selection Sunday, tomorrow. I want to start with some spring football first, though, uh, Sharpie, and kind of get your take on the week that's been. We got the, the little video clip yesterday, talked with Vogues about that. What are you hearing? What, what are some of your takeaways uh, with, with that first week? What are some impressions that, that you're hearing about or you've been able to, to glean a little bit from? Uh, you know, it's been a little choppy. You've got uh, some new guys in new places and some guys that are learning new terminology. But I think on the offensive side, it's been 
better than probably they thought. It's nowhere near where they want. Uh, and it's Mark Whipple's offense, and the door is closed. And if you're the head coach that used to be involved in the offense, you're not opening the door and coming in and taking a seat. Uh, Mark Whipple is, as, as now people are getting to know, he's a veteran. I mean, he's a guy that's been around the block in the game of football, and he's kind of a no-nonsense guy, and he'll tell you exactly what's going on. And, and I think that has benefited guys on the offensive side. And then, of course, Casey Thompson is impressive. Uh, he's very likable. There's, you know, like an, uh, there's an attractiveness to him if you're a teammate or you're a fan um, because he has and, and what I think could be a celebrity quarterback. But I've heard he's had a nice start to the spring in terms of the command of the offense and making the right plays and not trying to do too much. But, you know, it's really early. Yesterday was the sixth practice with the scrimmage, and we don't have any availability until the 22nd. So, you know, I, I think if you, if you had to say, hey, we've got all these new faces, we've got new coaches, um, where are you at after six practices? I think everybody would say we're, we're maybe slightly ahead of where we thought we would be, but we still have nine more times to get together in the spring. Trey Palmer was uh, talking smack, Gary, and got leveled at midfield. Reports, <laughs> comments. Uh, he's going to talk it. He's going to run it, and you got to put him in a bubble. You don't need him being uh, knocked out by one of your teammates. The one other thing I noticed, and, and, and you know, and they're selective on what they send out, and that's okay. I mean, it's good to see. It. It'd be great to see a practice, but it's good to see you know certain guys that you haven't seen for a while doing things like. I know Fedoni showed up in one, so it was good to see him. Um, but another key takeaway, besides Trey Palmer getting smacked, and, and that wide receiver room, by the way, they will run it. I mean, they got a head coach who's, or a, a position coach, I beg your pardon, who's got a personality. But I liked in the clips they showed, you saw offensive linemen getting downfield. You know, not standing around the line of scrimmage playing patty cake, but on a yant run, you saw offensive linemen downfield. So, uh, you know, it's it was good to see it. It's it's. It's nice to mix in a little football in a month of uh, basketball. True or false, the Iron Horse Gary Sharp has a yellow windbreaker that says security and a fake mustache. Uh, I do not. I just have uh, a, a pair of khakis and a polo shirt and a phone that has many numbers in it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, the, the khakis are a great call. Um, Gary Sharp's with us. Sharp, we were talking a little bit about red zone offense. And what was the apprehension last year? Was it personnel? Was it fear of execution uh, slash trust? Or was it, was it how you want to win, i.e., I, I want to win looking a certain way, calling a certain play? What's your what's your ballpark on the struggles with the red zone, and uh, does Whipple fix that in in year one? Well, I think last year the struggles were uh, you were pretty good between the twenties, and you were able to rack up some yardage and have some success. But that red zone was a problem. One, Austin Allen was not targeted enough. Boy, the targeting him in the Minnesota game in the red zone seemed to work. I would have liked to see the tight ends targeted more because that was something that was mentioned. I think two key things. One, Nebraska couldn't run the ball in the red zone. And, you know, you get, you get, it gets a little bit tighter when you get in the red zone. You get closer to the goal line. You, don't, you can't be running, you know, 12, 15-yard routes. Uh, and you have to be able to run the ball and punch it in and lean on people. And Nebraska wasn't able to do that last year. And then they really shied away from it. And I also thought the play calling got really wacky. Once you got inside of the red zone, they were, they were running things 
that didn't make sense, that, that were, were minus plays. And I'm hoping that'll be changed. But I like what Whipple said. One, that quarterbacks are probably going to be under center when they're in the red zone, or they're going to be under center, period, more than we've seen. And they are working on running the football. That's a mindset as an offensive lineman. When you're closing in on the goal line and you know that you need five yards, not for a first down, but five yards for a touchdown, and they call a running play, how great is that for an offensive line? So I think the, just the willingness and the devotion to running the football in the red zone could pay dividends for Nebraska. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, you know, one consistency, granted, there are only video clips that, you know, are on Twitter for half of a second or whatever. But there is an awfully, <laughs> awful lot of Anthony Grant in the open field busting off a long, one, a long run. I, there's probably been like five of those across all the videos that they've posted. Legit or not, you think he takes that number one spot? Uh, I think he's in the mix for the three. Uh, I, I think it's way too early to, to grab a number one. But I would be surprised if he's not in the top three. You know, he's kind of a hand-picked apple-white guy. Um, I still think that there are the, one of the other guys in that top three could be somebody that's not even on campus yet. Uh, but he's, you know, I, I saw him play, if you saw him against Iowa Western in the championship game, a lot of the things that we're seeing in the video clips, we saw in real life, you know, man-on-man action when they're, the scoreboard is on and they're keeping track. He's very intriguing to me. Um, and I think he's a guy that with Applewhite's ability to develop running backs or connect with running backs could pull something out of Anthony Grant. I'm excited to see him. I, I do like him in the open field. I think he runs, and I'll say this, I think he runs smart. You know, the, one of the things that I've, I've gleaned from Applewhite is they're big on vision of guys that know where the hole is. So can, once they get the ball in the pocket, they can see the entire field. You know, that's one of the knocks on Ramirez a little bit. But Anthony Grant seems like a guy that when he gets the ball on the handoff, he knows where he's going, his head is up, and he can, he can read blocks pretty quickly. And that also would be beneficial to Nebraska. I'm excited to see him. I, I, I would love to see him full throttle. I don't know if we'll see it like in the spring game. But I, I think he's in the top three when they roll around to the fall. Gary Sharp with us, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, a, a thought as we switch gears. What's your timeline for, for Nebraska basketball and uh, in changes, either announcements, personnel, making their declaration, and, and then, of course, Fred with, with his, his changes? Uh, do you have a, a feel at all? Well, I think you have to, it's on Fred's timeline because you're also on the timeline of basketball. You know, college basketball, you may have an assistant or two that you like that is currently coaching, uh, that you're not going to be able to do anything until their team is done. Maybe they're in the NCAA tournament. I, I, think, I think some of these, these changes that sit on the chairs next to Fred, those will happen sooner than any player stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think with like a Bryce McGowan, I mean, he's not going to come back. I don't know why he would come back. Uh, he may string it out a little bit longer. Maybe, you know, work in tandem with his brother. Uh, but I think the coaching stuff will happen pretty soon. I think the player stuff will be kind of a trickle um, that we'll see over the next probably month or so. But there are changes coming. I mean, I, I, I don't think we're going to see the mass exodus and, and turning over the roster. We just can't. Because next year has to be a roster that is more fit than talent, in my opinion. Even though Lloyd coming from the West Coast is intriguing to me, but I would take fit over talent. And then there are changes coming on the staff. I mean, that's directed by uh, the AD to say, hey, 
we, you, you got to do something, and Fred is going to do it. But will he do it with people that he's worked with or people that are unfamiliar with him? That'll be the one that I, I think will be a telltale sign. But, guys, just like football where Scott Frost, and I, I know football is bigger. you got uh, a larger coaching staff. you got a larger roster. Scott went out and got assistance that helped the program, but I also think helped Scott Frost. I think in this case, Fred can go out and get a couple of new assistants, but this is on Fred Hoiberg for year four. This is about him more than the assistants he's going to hire. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, it's, it's just warm-ups. You can only take so much out of it, so I'm just curious if you've heard anything more about Denham Dawson, who's a guy that transferred in. Um, he had to sit out. Um, you know, he couldn't play this year. But he's, you know, he's a, he's a bigger wing, at least in warm-ups, because they do let him warm up. He is a live wire. I mean, that is a guy that has serious bounce. He kind of looks like the best dunker on the team type guy. Really quick, explosive. Have you heard anything about him and his development and what they expect to get out of him once he's able to actually play? Well, I think everything you said, Mark, about the bounce and being able to get to, he, get to the rim, put the ball on the floor, you know, it's going to take a little bit to, for, for him to, get, to create his own shot. But I like the fact in his situation, that he came in early. So he's been around the program now. So he understands how it kind of works. And he also is able to get into the strength and conditioning program and be around guys playing at that level every day, albeit not in a game. Um, he's one that I really think they need to, that he will probably fall, fly under the radar a little bit. But watch for him in the fall. I do like him. I'm glad you brought him up because he's very intriguing to me. But whoever they have on the floor... What ails them this past season is rebounding the basketball. And can they rebound the basketball? And it's not just a big, and they do need a big, and they got a big junior college big coming. They've got to be able to have five guys on the floor that when it's time to go get the ball, they got to go get the ball because that is killing Nebraska, is the inability to rebound and just getting crushed on the offensive glass and other key moments where – they got a snag a board, and they're either getting out-muscled or they're not hustled for a board. Sharpie, uh, bigger picture with the, the Big Ten. Are you confident nine get the nod tomorrow uh, about 5 p.m. Central? Or do you think uh, there's a couple of teams, i.e. a Michigan or an, or an Ohio State, that, that could be in danger that knocks that, that total for the Big Ten down to eight? I, I would think nine. I think the Big Ten's going to get nine teams in, which is impressive once again, which, you know, tying Nebraska into this. I mean, there's – why can't Nebraska find their way into that 8-9-10 spot where every year you could be – you might be on the bubble and it might burst, but you're going to Indianapolis or Chicago and you're either in the tournament with a, with a chance to stay in it or you can help yourself by a win. I, when this league is getting 8-9 teams – Nebraska needs to find a way. They don't need to jump to four. They don't need to jump to five. They need to, they need to find a way to move up and get out of that pack of the Northwesterns and the Penn States and where Nebraska is and Minnesota struggling this year. And if you can get to eight, nine, ten, that's every year. You have a chance because of the strength of the conference to get into the NCAA tournament. And then maybe once you get there, you can gradually move up. And I don't see a reason why they can't. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. 
And, you know, you see an example of a program 50 miles up the road in Creighton who just demolishes Providence last night, um, a top 15 Providence, by the way, and just beats them by 30 to advance to the championship game against Villanova today. Yeah. And, Gary, they did it with basically an entirely reconstructed roster <laughs> compared to last year. So we talk about continuity with Fred Hoiberg and how important that is. But it's more important, really, isn't it, to have a defined program and a defined way of doing things and a defined type of player that you're bringing in because Creighton looks like they've been doing this all along, but it's almost all new guys. Absolutely, Mark. And you throw in, you have a very uh, skilled big and Kelp Brenner. You have a very athletic wing. Remember, these guys, a lot of these guys were freshmen. Kelp Brenner's only a sophomore. They have the identity, as you alluded to. Uh, this year, though, they've kind of switched. They, they aren't making as many threes. But, boy, they're playing defense better than they've, they've played in a long, long time. They're getting after people. I mean, they threw Providence completely off their game last night, so much that Ed Cooley burned all of his timeouts by the 16-minute mark of the second half, and they were in their bag, and they couldn't do anything. But I think also part of it is Creighton has a really good head coach who knows offense and is really good in-game, and he has such a feel for this particular team. It's a very likable team. But they have an identity, and that's who they are. They're not going to win every night, but that's who they are. And they don't experience, even with kind of some of these injury curses that they have where they lose their starting point guard, it seems like every other year, to a season-ending injury, they don't go through these roller coasters, these ups and downs. They're pretty steady with a blip up here, a blip up there, where you get Nebraska, which they ride the roller coaster, but that roller coaster is going straight into the ground and below the ground. Um, but those things at Creighton, yeah, they can be applied to Nebraska. But I think it starts with the guy that is the head coach that is standing up while everybody else is sitting during games of being able to reach your team in a different way, get the most out of them, and adjust during the game. And Mac has certainly done that. Sharpie, it's championship Saturday. Uh, you have covered prep sports as well for a number of years in your career. You get the trilogy tonight. Just call uh, me Millard North and, and Bell West, Bud. What uh, what say you? I have seen each, but I've not seen each against uh, one another this season. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, the matchup tonight, and, and what are some thoughts you have? Well, one quick thing on the format. I know that this was a one-year thing. Kudos to the NSA for pulling off because this hasn't been easy, mm-hmm. and we should never do this again. I, I think there's you know there's some girls storylines and there's some boys storylines that got passed by because everybody's playing at the same time. I hope that we are finding an able to way to go to four days instead of three. Uh, I know schools that are much further away from Lincoln would be opposed to that, but I think we've gotten better championship games because you're not playing your third game in three days. You're playing the game, you have a day off, playing a game, have a day off, have a day off before you play in the final. Miller North, Bellevue West. So here's the thing about the previous two games. There was so much talent on the floor. Division one basketball talent. There's Division One basketball talent on the floor tonight. And those games had a special feeling to them because they were tight. They had a bunch of energy to them. I think tonight will be the same thing. You've got two really good head coaches, and this might be the last time that Tim Cannon coaches at Miller North, by the way. Uh, Doug Woodard on the other side for Bellevue West. He's got Josiah Dotzler, who, in my, my opinion right now, is a really talented high mid-major guard. Um, that will cause problems, that ignites that offense, that gets him going, that it's tough to keep, in, you know, keep him in front of you. And then Miller North, going back to Creighton, boy, it's, I mean, they have a bountiful of recruiting uh, wins. Jason Green's going to be really good at Creighton. 
he's just a, a, a load. He's a guy that can put the ball on the floor. He can get to the basket, and he just can't stop him. He's like a train. He's also on the other end. He's a guy that can block shots, but doesn't block him into the front row. He blocks him right back onto the court so his teammates can pick it up. I think it'll be a back-and-forth game. Um, it's all going to come down to then outside of the headliners, like a David Harmon for Miller North. Can he hit shots? Can the young guards for Miller North? And they're young. When I say young, I say in championship experience. They they've, are seniors and, and uh, a, a sophomore. Can they hit shots? Can they guard? Can they not turn it over? And then Bellevue West, uh, William Kyle, who's a human jumping jack inside with a rope, can they neutralize green? Can they get to the basket without their shot getting blocked? I'm really looking forward to this game. I, I think these have been the two premier programs for the last couple of years, two really good coaches um, and, and teams that have really good players. This should be a lot, a lot of fun tonight. Um, you know, I, I, personally, I wish it was West Side, but I picked Bellevue West before the tournament began, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with the T-Birds to make it in the last three years. But it is wild to think if Miller North doesn't have the meltdown two years ago late in the game against Bell West, Tim Cannon tonight is coaching for his third straight state title. They have been loaded with talent uh, for sure, Sharpie. But this is this is Green's team, and he's been an incredible player, but he's been more of a periphery guy with some of the star-studded lineups that, that Millard North has had. He has been incredible this year. And, uh, yeah, Tim Cannon's the best. Love the guy and really respect him. Coach Woodard's awesome as well. We'll have the call tonight over on KFOR, uh, Coach Smith. Sharpie, we, we started this uh, second hour with a breakfast theme, and, and Bogues is a hash brown guy, and we all kind of related it to what is Nebraska's red zone offense, what, what breakfast menu item in lieu of Will Compton uh, making, make, making it right yesterday morning and getting uh, his, his, uh, his, his partner in crime over to Virginia's. We're all Virginia's guys. Uh, I'm a biscuits and gravy. I symbolize that as run game. What is your breakfast item? Well, first of all, uh, good for Will to go to Virginia's Cafe. Um, but people don't knock Village in. If you've not gone to Village Inn at 2 in the morning, you don't we know all what have. you're missing. And we have to protect Village Inn because there are fewer and fewer Village Inns anymore. Uh, I would say Nebraska's red zone offense, and it's, I, don't like, I don't like this item on the breakfast menu, but I would say runny eggs. Okay. All right. Just runny a little eggs. sloppy. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some hardness to good. it, but it's a little sloppy. And once you break... Once you break the yolk, then, yeah, you're not getting it back. You need some toast. Yeah, you need – so that's, that's, the, that's the Austin Allens of the world that come in and soak up that, that runniness of the, <laughs> the egg that equates to the red zone offense. This is a fantastic topic. It is. Cranac, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're corned beef, beef and hash guys. Maybe, maybe Casey Thompson's the utensil – that scoops up the sloppiness oh, and yeah. spreads it on the top. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I don't want to go all over the top. Um, he's an impressive young man. He carries himself like a pro. He's somebody that Does he even lift, though? That, what's that again? Does he even lift, though? Oh, I'll send you some videos. <laughs> okay. He that lifts. dude is jacked. That, was, that surprised <laughs> me. He, guys, he is, he's been in the fishbowl before. He, he is doing it the right way. You know, when he entered the program and everybody is talking about him, he stands on the outside and then he picks his spot when he feels comfortable and moves into the inner circle. And I, 
I don't know if boy he is. If he can be what Nebraska needs at that position, and Nebraska can win anywhere between six and eight games, boy, he's going to change the story about Nebraska football single-handedly. Texas transferred to Nebraska, portal guy works out, helps Nebraska get the first winning season under Frost. He again, he's very likable. He very knowledgeable. He's very comfortable. And I think he's going to be able to make a lot of money as a quarterback at Nebraska if Nebraska wins. I wouldn't be surprised. I said this on my show yesterday. I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes the face of Nebraska football because there's not a lot of recognizable guys on this year's roster yet. Maybe him and Garrett Nelson right now are the two most recognizable. Um, Would it surprise you if when we get to July and Nebraska has to announce who's going to the Big Ten media days, if Casey Thompson is not a candidate, he's got to be, be wild because he yet he would have not yet played a game at Nebraska. Sharpie, we will see you tonight, brother. Awesome points, great insight as always, man. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Hey, thanks, guys. There he is, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Great night. Go get some breakfast. Yes, sir. Elijah, have a great right, birthday. Yeah. Thank you.